The first time I had what I considered to be some kind of a paranormal experience. I was in elementary school. I can't remember the exact age, but I do know that it was shortly after my grandparents' dog passed away. Her name was Buffy, and I couldn't tell you what breed she was. I just knew that she was kind of big and fluffy, and I enjoyed watching her as she would loop around their little back patio area. She had a favorite tree that she enjoyed laying behind in the shade. And she was a very friendly dog, from what I can remember. Again, I was quite young, and she died also when I was quite young. There was one time we were visiting, not too long after she had gone. And I was sitting in their living room. I was the first person awake, as I tended to be, and so I would just amuse myself with my toys while everyone else was still sleeping, tried to be as quiet as I could, and I was sitting in the living room playing, and I thought that I could hear a dog panting. It sounded to me like it was coming from somewhere in the area of the adjoining dining room. And it was loud enough and persistent enough that I was curious to get up and to go see where this sound was coming from. And so I walked into the other room. And I looked around, and of course, there was nothing there. And it was at that point that I realized that now the sound of a dog panting was coming from the living room instead. And so I walked back into the living room. And again, the sound no longer seemed to be coming from that location. I might have gone back and forth between these two rooms once or twice more. I, the, the details of it are quite hazy to me now, over 30 years later. But nevertheless, it made me wonder, why would I hear a dog panting in the same cadence and with the same depth as Buffy had herself. My second, what I consider to be a paranormal experience, also, as it happens, happened at my grandparents' house. This was a few years later after my grandmother had passed away. 
We were up again for a family gathering. This was one where all members of my extended family, or many of them, were seated around the table in their dining room. And it was kind of late in the evening, and we were all just sitting there talking. There might have been pizza involved. I can't recall that particular detail or not. And out of the blue, we heard what kind of what seemed initially to us to sound like the ice cream truck. But why would the ice cream truck be out after dark? Until my grandfather smiled. And he looked at all of us and said, I know what this is. He got up from the table, went into his bedroom, and a moment later produced my grandmother's music box, which was closed and yet was playing its song. The rest of us, most of us anyway, probably, there, there may have been a skeptic or two in the room. Most of us took that to be our grandmother saying hello. My grandfather had said that this had happened at least one other time in the past few days. Only he was the only one who had experienced it then. I have to be honest that unlike the sound of the dog panting, this music box incident freaked me out a little bit. And I remember shaking as I climbed into bed a little bit later that night. I, I didn't really know what to make of it. I, I was a little confused. Again, I, I was still quite young when this had happened, and, and this was just something that I couldn't quite wrap my mind around at the time. I have since reflected back on both of these experiences, the music box one more so, and made peace with what had happened and, and the possibilities that it revealed when it comes to the existence of spirits continuing to walk our world in some form. Now, just as easily, somebody could listen to particularly the Music Box story and say, well, there was just something wrong with it. Something was malfunctioning. All you have to do is take it somewhere and get it fixed. And that that is also a possibility. And yet, everything in the moment suggested that maybe it was that, but maybe it was also something else. As someone or many people at the time had said, maybe it really was my grandmother saying hello. So when somebody asks me, do you believe in ghosts? 
I look back on these two incidents. The dog one is probably much more difficult to explain. I look back on these two incidents and I say yes. I don't know the complete nature of how or why or what purpose. But nevertheless, this was enough for me in my earliest years for me to decide, you know, perhaps there is more to our world, a spiritual component to our world that cannot completely be explained with so-called rational explanations. So, yes, I do believe in ghosts. And again, I couldn't tell you the exact nature of why they might be hanging around or how that is possible. And I might not even necessarily wish to venture into the ramifications that that belief may have as far as any sort of theology goes. I'm still wrestling with that myself, trying to figure it out, trying to trying to reconcile what that means for larger scales and systems of belief and of faith. It's something that I've often thought about, but I have yet to come up with any sort of easily digestible answers. I bring up these two stories because in the years since, I've had several opportunities to, in a more formal sense, to wander places that are considered to be haunted. Places where people believe or have had their own experiences of spirits still hanging around for one reason or another. My latest experience was just the other day when my wife and my son and I took a trip to the Ohio State Reformatory in Mansfield, Ohio, perhaps best known as the filming location for the movie The Shawshank Redemption. It was an interesting night, and I figured that this week's episode would largely be recounting that experience and considering and asking, raising the sorts of questions about what the ghostly might entail for us still living.
Welcome to the Coffeehouse Contemplative Podcast. Fast forward to the summer after my first year of seminary studies had concluded. My wife and I were newlyweds. We had come back to St. Louis in order to begin settling in and figuring out what it now meant for us to be living together as a couple, uh, especially in a little tiny two-room on-campus apartment. I was doing a field ed placement that summer at a local congregation. And besides that, we were just beginning to experience what else perhaps the city of St. Louis had to offer. And thankfully, some who lived on campus were St. Louis natives and had some inns in various places around town that could, could help us with that. And one such place was known as the Lemp Mansion. The Lemp family were a family who made their fortune off of brewing lager in particular, as well as other beers. However, they are not as well-known in the St. Perhaps they're well-known in the St. Louis area, but they're not really remembered beyond that because there were a couple other brewers in St. Louis by the last names of Anheuser and Bush who were able to weather the storm of the Depression and other hardships much better than the Limps were able to. And in addition to that, the Lemps suffered personal tragedy, as well as financial tragedy, several of which happened in their mansion, which continues to function as a restaurant and as a place to stay. However, many have reported experiences of a spiritual nature all throughout the house. Some in the form of apparitions, others in the form of just noises or other happenings. And so the Lemp Mansion offers ghost tours. 
and we were fortunate enough through our on-campus seminary friend to secure such a tour, along with a, a few other fellow students and friends. And so we went to take this tour. It, it involved a little bit of history about the Lemp family. And then we were taken through the house, stopping occasionally to maybe just sit and see if something would happen. Sometimes the lights stayed on. Sometimes they were turned off for a little bit. And I can say that I had, and others who were there can confirm at least some of these, that there were some things that happened while we were there. I can remember the very first thing was a whole room full of people hearing a quite audible sigh that came from elsewhere in the house. There was an incident of a pamphlet flying off of a display and yet no wind in that hallway. There was a strange spot where if you walked through it or stood in it, it would just feel strange. It would, it, there was a tingling sensation to it. And, and it was, I can't even explain the, how that tingling felt to you, the listener. And these were the main things that, that I remember from that time. And for me, it, it further reinforced my own belief in ghosts. My wife, who is a bit more scientifically grounded than I am, was a bit more skeptical throughout this particular tour. And yet... We both talk about that time. We both remember it as being a, an interesting and eye-opening experience. The second time that I had an opportunity to experience a, a ghostly phenomenon was a few years later. I was pastoring my first church. And there was a couple in that church around my same age who were trying to get their own little ghost hunting group off of the ground. And I forget how it got brought up in conversation or, or how this, was, the, this arrangement was made to include me, but they invited me along on one of their hunts. And by this point, the show Ghost Hunters was a weekly appointment viewing for my wife and I. And, and so this was something that I was, I was ready to do. And so I, I traveled out with them and they briefly went over what had been experienced there. The, the gentleman who owned the house and the property walked us through it and, and told us what they what we might possibly find and and then we went over the the equipment that we would be using and then we were left on our own for a while part of this was inside 
particularly they had a basement area that that we wanted to check out but then there was an outside component they had a barn that that we were invited to investigate and then there was this other stone structure reminiscent of or or the remnant of some past use perhaps a a millstone type situation or 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 something and and so some got to sit in the basement and some of us got to sit outside in this millstone area i should mention at this point it was quite a cold evening and i had not dressed assuming that i was going to be outside for a while and and so from that point of view that this was an unpleasant sort of night i i got quite cold at some point i think my body was just like okay fine i'm gonna do my best to keep us alive and and you do whatever stupid thing you're doing and, and i ended up getting through the night in that sense i have to say that the hunt as a whole was quite disappointing i don't think any of us really experienced anything that night i don't think that the the place we were investigating was as advertised and so it, it was quite a quite a letdown from that perspective i woke up the next morning late and also my body was wrecked from being outside in the cold for so long so that that one was did not go so well that that one i i look back on it i can laugh now but it it was it was pretty ridiculous so i had hoped that there might be further opportunities to go along with this group they never really materialized i don't i don't know how much longer that group lasted as a paranormal investigation group and so for years after i would have to make do with continuing to watch ghost hunters and other such shows some of which are done better than others and my wife would get into these shows ultimately a lot more than i did to show that she had come quite a long way since our limp mansion experience and we've had our own conversations about what what a true ghostly experience could be ways that it could be explained away as something else like perhaps just a music box malfunctioning but we never truly let go of the possibility that we could experience something in these types of places so then this past year as my son's birthday was rolling around we kept asking him what do you want to do is is there something is there somewhere you want to go maybe invite some friends along and and we can do 
something we can take you there we can you know what what is it what what would you like to do here and he finally came up with the answer that he wanted to visit the Ohio State Reformatory he had read a bit about it we had perhaps at some point watched ghost hunter episodes about it I know that we did I just don't know that he was present during them and he had even perhaps, I think, sat through a little bit of the Shawshank Redemption with us. And we probably even talked about how, hey, do you know, did you know that that's right here in Ohio? It's actually not that far from us, maybe an hour's drive or so. Well, all of that seemed to take root for him. And he eventually, in answer to our birthday question said I want to go take a ghost tour I'm going to talk to some of my friends and, and this is what I want to do to which my wife and I responded wonderful we will look at some dates and we will set something up well it took a while for various reasons but we finally went, as this podcast is recorded, this past Friday evening. And he had one friend along with him. The four of us went to Mansfield. We found a nice little bar and grill place to have our dinner. And then we went off to have our ghost tour. And I have to say... It was such a wonderful thing just to drive and to see it for the first time. This, this was kind of a bucket list sort of thing for us to do as ghost enthusiasts. And so I was excited to see how the evening would unfold. We started our night in what had been converted into a lobby area. And this was the ground floor, it turned out, of what was formerly the residence for the superintendent of the reformatory. It was three stories high and housed him and his family. We were given some introductory sorts of remarks about what the tour would entail and a couple of things about safety, a couple of things about listening respectfully and not talking over the tour guide and, and those sorts of things. 
and and then we were off. We went up to a second floor area where we were told some additional remarks about what people had experienced in this part of the house. And there, there were a couple things that, that stood out to me about what the guide said at this point. First, she told us that both the husband and the wife had met tragic ends in this building. And yet, people have, have smelled some smells that they associate with each of them. One, on the one hand, if you had the, the sudden smell of roses cross your nostrils, then that meant that the wife, a lover of roses, was around. And at the same time, or on the other hand, if you smelled cherry-flavored tobacco smoke, then that meant that the husband was around. I can't say that I smelled either one during our time there, which was a bummer for me. But yet, nevertheless, the, these were some of the most common experiences of these two that others had had. While we were on the second floor, she talked to us about how occasionally somebody has experienced the sound of things moving around or something like a chain even dropping onto the floor whether it was coming from below or whether it was coming from above. And it just so happened that not too long after she shared this information, we could hear things being moved around above us. It was about that time that we were meant to go up to the third floor. And of course, there was no one present. So that was a significant early happening for us as a tour group. We were taken through other parts of the residence and slowly transitioned into the main prison area and, and we would occasionally stop and, and we would be told further stories of people's experiences. And there, there were various points where I didn't experience anything. There was, there was one point, there's a, there's a room in this place called the chair room. Because there's a chair sitting in the middle of the room. And sometimes people report sitting in that chair and feeling different sensations and the other story about it is that if somebody moves the chair they'll come back later and that chair has been moved back to its original spot so the chair room and I can't say that I experienced anything people took people took turns sitting in the chair I went ahead and took a turn sitting in the chair 
I, I wanted to sit longer, but the tour group was moving on. But I, my son actually said that he experienced like some kind of sensation on the back of his legs while we were in this room. He was wearing shorts, and it just seemed like something just wanted to keep bothering, brushing up against his legs. So, not a not a moment for me, but certainly a notable moment for him. Did you know that the room in the Shawshank Redemption movie, the hotel room or the apartment where Brooks ends up living after he is released, and then eventually where Red also moves when he is released. They they carve little messages up on the beam on the ceiling. Brooks was here, so was Red. Did you know that that room is actually in the Ohio State Reformatory? It's not a separate apartment building, or... It's not located in a separate apartment building. It's actually located in the reformatory. We got to see that. There are cardboard cutouts depicting various actors from the movie, and it so happens that they have a cardboard cutout of Brooks in that room, which scared the absolute crap out of me when I first came around the corner and saw it. But besides the point... That, that was a significant, not, not a ghostly significant experience, but just to see that room. That, that was something that ended up being special to me. And that, that's one of the things that I think I'm taking away from this, was just being able to see that space where those scenes were filmed. The reformatory has a chapel which doesn't have a whole lot of activity, typically. It also has an attic space, where apparently a lot of activity takes place, has taken place. This was, a, this was a space that originally was just for storage, but eventually there was a moment when the Ohio State Penitentiary in Columbus had burned. A fire started by inmates, and many of those inmates had been transferred to Mansfield, but there was no space for them, so they set up bunk beds in this open space, 250 people, many of whom had been convicted of violent offenses, all housed in this open area. Now, I could smell smoke. You know, you know like if you if you know somebody who smokes and you go into their house and there is just this this stench that just sits on everything. That's what it smelled like in this space. And remembering that a hundred or more years ago, after this incident had happened, that these inmates were all brought in their still smoky clothes to this room. The 
tour guide said, sometimes it smells like smoke up here and sometimes it doesn't. And she said, I don't, I, it doesn't smell like it right now. And many of us said, oh, yes, it does. So a ghostly smell, something new for me. I didn't smell roses or tobacco smoke, but I did smell this smoke. This was one of the places where the lights were turned off for a while. And again, noises, little noises down at the other end of the room away from our group. I thought that I could see a few small lights blink. And so th this was something that these were a few things that that I take away later on. We actually walked through two cell blocks. And walking through the first one, we actually walked past rows, uh, a row of, of cells. And then we were taken down to the main floor and we walked the length of the main floor. And I was at this point at the back of the tour group, along with two other gentlemen who were working with the tour guide just to keep track of everybody. And there was one point we were pretty far down in our walk toward the other end, but we could hear something move behind us. Nobody else, I don't think, heard this, but the three of us did. So we paused and we looked back and of course there was nothing there so this was another significant moment for me that I was able to have we went through the other cell block I don't recall much of anything happening we toured the solitary confinement area again there wasn't much that happened there. And then we were done with our tour. It was an interesting night. I'm glad that I was able to experience it. I'm glad my son was able to experience it as this belated birthday gift. And I think even my at least formerly skeptical, purely skeptical wife was left with some things to ponder. There are far more stories that I can tell. There are, there were incidents that happened in this place that were incredibly tragic and left the living with questions about what had happened. And those questions persist through the smelling of smoke or through the sounds of movement or through the manifestation of things that you see and cannot explain. What does this mean for us? What does this mean for for any kind of metaphysical ramifications? Those answers aren't easy. But the questions 
invite us to tease out our minds a little bit and to ponder what possibilities are out there beyond the things that we think we know. Thank you for listening to the Coffeehouse Contemplative Podcast. I'm Jeff Nelson. You can find more about my writing, including all my books, at jeffreyanelson.com. You can also find me on social media, Jeffrey A. Nelson on Facebook, and I'm at Bold Roast Rev on Instagram and elsewhere. Have a great week.